Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, your host. My co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon, is here. We are your morning show for any hour. We got a lot going on today. We got a, we got a, you love to hear it, from none other than KJP. So stay tuned for that. We got, obviously, news out of Israel, the speaker's race, and cancel culture, or is it accountability culture, comes to the universities. But before that, Vic, how are you doing? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm doing fine. I just wanted to add a follow-up to last episode, I should say, when I talked about my trip to Dallas. And I mm-hmm. can't remember if I mentioned, I don't think I did, that I also got a chance while I was down there to see Sonny and Beth Bunch. Love it. Had a lovely time with them and two of our other friends, Peter and Christine Lowe. And so we had gone out to Del Frisco's. And Sonny brought up a question that he had asked me earlier and other people had asked. And it's kind of an awkward personal question, but I'm going to share it with our readers because I feel like I need clarification. I need to clarify is what I'm going to say. So in the news that had come out before all this in the New York Post that our favorite New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez Mm. over 20 years, 20 years, which is a long time, since 2003 had spent close to $300,000 at Morton's. And so Sonny rather insensitively and in front of my other friends here at this table said, well, Vic, did you spend as pretty much close to that too? Right. Where would you put your number? The Mm -hmm. Mortons and the Palm together. And I, I would say the number, it's unclear, but I, I, and I, and I, first of all, it's rather presumptuous uh-huh. to ask why, because, just because I have a, just because I have a locker at Morton's right. from a long time mm-hmm. ago and I haven't used it. Right. And, and, you know, the face on the wall at the Palm and I got this new little Landry's special card for, for, <laughs> you know, when I host people and entertain them and do business. Mm-hmm. Let's not assume that right. I'm Right. Just because everyone that. knows you by name when That's you walk right. in. I also stopped counting. My points. I just like after a certain uh, number of years, I said it's not it's not important. Also, let's be clear, a lot of that was expensed. Oh no, it was you all expensed. Spend it. No, I don't know. So I wanna, I'm not I sure. I want to assure my family. I'm not sure it even my, counts. I'm not sure the weekly standard. Oh wait, thank goodness it's not around anymore. No, I'm kidding. It was terrible. It has nothing to do with what happened to the standard. I will say this. Imagine if imagine yeah. if you were the. It problem. was the one reason. The one reason was, the standard went down was it was all the, the martinis. Yes, that's right. Uh, One blue cheese filled olive too many. I'll tell you the weirdest thing was at the end uh, of the night, having felt generous and being thankful just to be with our friends, mm-hmm. at, we were at Del Frisco's Steakhouse, mm-hmm. which is a great steakhouse in Dallas. And the original is from there. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yes. Uh, I didn't make the reservation. My friend did. But on my way out of like the men's room, I caught the uh, waiter and I told him, let me take care of this because, you know. Which I did. I did not expense this, okay? But I'm feeling like generous was, and thankful. This was a, a real No, this is real. This is straight real. Straight from this the is, heart. This is straight from the and heart. And the wallet. Yes. And I said, so let me pay. And the waiter goes, okay, do you want to use your points? And I just looked at him. And I said, sure, but how do you? He goes, oh, I know. He said, I, I, I know. I know. I know you have the card. I'm like, how does he know I have the card? So that was really weird. But I think he just must have, he was a very attentive waiter yeah. and he must have overheard the conversation. He could, he could tell you just have like frequent flyer miles at steakhouses. That's One like of those he, things. he just had a feeling yes, about it. Yes, yes, the way, well, the way it's I It's what you give off. If there, <laughs> if you have a vibe, that's the that's vibe. That's the vibe. Okay, so I, I just wanted to say that I, the answer is I don't know. And I don't think, and I'd like to say that 300,000 over 20 years, not that much when you think <laughs> about it. When you cut it down when you, when by... you stretch it out. Look, there's a lot of days in those years. Days, a lot of you days. You know? Mary Catherine, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. We have reached a new toddler phase in our house. Huh. So the toddler is almost two. 
And I really, I need to put her birthday on my calendar because I keep forgetting that that's coming. Can you on the spot? <laughs> to be fair, I have two under two and have yes, for the last okay, nine months. Okay, without actually telling us the dates, just in your mind, can you actually tell us on the spot if we were to say, what are the birthdays of all of your kids? Boom, yes, you could do it. I can do it. The problem is that I had a lot of my kids in the sort of in the fourth quarter of the year. Okay. And so, so it gets pretty it gets pretty jammed up with the the calendar in that part of the year because yeah. we've got an August, we've got an October, we've got a November, and then we've got two early Januaries, Steve and the baby. I was gonna say, don't forget about Steve. So one one advantage is that I'm hanging out in April all by myself. Oh, like everyone's got oh we're doing a birthday month. Yeah, Nothing else is on the calendar, guys. This is this is the only thing we're doing. Whereas the children get like four minutes of birthday song and then we got to move on to Halloween. <laughs> we got to oh, move special, on to Thanksgiving. It, it, well, I was going to say you're crammed in with the holidays. It's yes, tough. it's yeah. tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. So, at any rate, we're in a new era of toddlerdom and I try to discourage this with my ch- my children, which is the deep attachment to a certain object. A binky or something, yes. as they call it. And yeah. my kids don't generally get attached to a certain object because I, A, because it might just be who they are, but it's also because I, knowing myself, a little scatterbrained, know the cost if I were to misplace such an item, which I am likely to do. So I don't like them to get into certain things. Well, there's two things going on. The toddler has decided she's very into one particular baby doll. And as always happens, when your toddler's into a baby doll, it's yeah. like the scuzziest, dirtiest <laughs> baby doll that you have. That's the one that they're into yeah. or stuffed animal, yeah, whatever it is. Scuzzy is a good word. But not only is she into the scuzzy baby doll, she's also into a very scuzzy little mini bottle that goes with the baby doll. <laughs> oh, sure. And it's like one of those that has the fake liquid in it when you turn it up, except it's long since dried up and like left weird marks all over the inside yeah. of the bottle. I'm sure it's not sanitary. Accoutrements. Yeah. There's things growing in there, I'm sure. So we have those two items that she's very into, and they always have to be together, and they always have to be with her. Oh, my gosh. And so the other night at bedtime, we had this huge meltdown, and my young kids do not melt down at bedtime because Steve has them on such a an admirable schedule that their little brains are like, oh, it is time to go to bed. I shall retire now. And she marches up the little stairs, and she jumps in her crib, and she goes to sleep. That's how things work in our house. Yes. She lost it. Oh, no. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. And she had the baby. We could. This is the time at which we figured out yeah. the stupid bottle was the problem. Yes. So she's screaming bloody murder up there. And my husband comes downstairs to try and figure out. Oh, needs she also, the bottle. She she also refuses the bottle. to say words. So, like, <laughs> she could indicate to us what she needs. But she's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to scream. So Steve's like trying to hand her things. She keeps saying no. <laughs> he finally goes downstairs. It dawns on him that it might be this. He goes downstairs, like ransacks the living room to find a bottle that's ap- approximately four inches long. Like yeah. a little tiny thing. Takes it up. She grabs it, lays down, puts it in the bo- baby's mouth, goes right to sleep. <laughs> so this is our life now? Yes. No. It's. Have you ever seen the movie Best in Show? With yes. Christopher Guest, and they lose the busy bee for the time. Where's the busy bee? You know, this and Parker our... Posey's yelling, you gotta find the busy bee. You this know? is our busy bee. Yeah. So now in our house, I'm sure there's gonna be like 
Who's got eyes on the bottle? Does anyone have eyes on the bottle? Well, particularly because it's going to be technically a small bottle. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very proportional and it's not attached to the baby. So now we're deciding whether, like, do we just need to hide the baby at bedtime and, like, cure her of this <laughs> flip out? Or do we continue to feed it? I don't know what the right parenting decision well, is. Well, here's another thing, though. It, you know what works in your favor if you need to use it as a stick in a carrot stick situation. Mm-hmm. She's also occasionally very into a specific book on the bookshelf, but again, unwilling to tell me which one of the books. So I end up just taking books and handing them to her. And she Until screams and then I put it back up, screams, put it back up, screams, put it back up. And then finally you give her the one. She's so very reasonable when you finally give her the one she wanted. Does the book change? It's usually the very hungry caterpillar, but occasionally That's a good it's one. something different. Yeah. So anyway, we got to brief everybody on these things so that everyone listening to the podcast now knows how, how to solve the problem if she's flipping out on you. And my whole family will know how to solve these problems because I might have to take all the books off the bookshelf because she keeps like waking up in the morning and be like, I to get To get that, to get <laughs> yes. the Hungry Caterpillar. I'm like, girl, it's 6.15. You're not, well, I'm not reading the Hungry Caterpillar right now. Uh, okay. Well, quick question for you yeah. and we can go on. So you've read this book a million times. Oh, yeah. Okay. The page where it spreads and you see everything that the, the, the mm-hmm. caterpillar ate, right? Because it's very right. hungry. What would you choose? One thing. <laughs> my first thought, so I'm just going to go with my mm-hmm. gut, was the salami. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was mine. That's why we're on the show together. Good for you. It's meaty. It looks meaty. Can I ask one yeah. question? Where was this caterpillar that he had this smorgasbord available to him? It was a picnic and it was a charcuterie board. I mean, it was quite a and picnic. We got plums. Yeah. We got apples. No. We got oranges. We like got lollipops. Pie, no, I forget. There's lollipops, candy. There's candy Salami. Yeah. Was it a fair? Maybe it was at the it Texas fair. State Fair. It was at Texas State Fair, yeah. The caterpillar was at the Texas State Fair. At any rate, okay. he's a butterfly now. It's beautiful. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. We've got, a, we've got serious news to talk about. Go. Yeah. Oh, but it's nice to like take a break. And it is from from the news. I'll start off with just speaking of you know it's it's been moving and sometimes jarring to like spend time with my own children when I know that other people's children are in danger. And that's part of the what's going on with Israel that's hard to witness and hard to watch and hard to think about. But yeah. I continue to try to do that and try to pray because I know that it must be done. Here's a mom just to set the stage for what's still happening in Israel as they mount an attack against Gaza. This is a mom talking about how her son was taken from her into Gaza. Mm -hmm. And Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC asks her about those attacks on Gaza. I'm sure you want them to be with people they know so that they're not alone there. But what are your feelings about the the attacks against Gaza right now? Um, How can the government... Look, you're looking for a symmetrical situation, and I must say, it isn't. Um, If you were dealing with a a war who is between two countries, countries don't take children hostages, I'm sorry. It's against the laws of war. It's against humanity. It's against anything that we all believe in. Every time we had missiles uh, shot at us, I used to say to my children, that they should be sympathetic towards the children of Gaza because they suffer a lot more than they do. I'm not sure I still believe in it now. And I must say the only worry I have now from uh, the bombings in Gaza is the fact that my children are there. And I can't be sympathetic anymore. I can't be sympathetic to animal human beings. Well, they're not really human beings who came into my house, broke everything, stole everything, took my children from their bedrooms 
and took them to the Gaza Strip. Israel never done that and will never do. So there is no symmetry. I'm sorry. Do you want the I'm government... Sorry, there is no emotion. Do you want the government to put the, the top priority on getting the hostages out uh, before they I retaliate? I want my government to put it on the first priority, and I want the world to put it on first priority. I think any mother in the world should try and imagine her children under that situation and then think again. That's all I want. I want the world to ask them to release children to release elderlies, to release the civilians they took. There is no reason to hold them there. They are not soldiers, they are not part of the war, and they have nothing to do with it. We gave them work permits. We really believed that this was the way to move their economy, to, reun to, to reconnect these two so-called countries. This is not the way a country uh, behaves. This is a way that a terror organization behaves. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, did Andrea Mitchell say, well, no, what, seriously, what do you think about the, the attacks on Gaza? Did she continue on that or did she no, just she No, she let, to her credit, she lets her just talk. And... Because that's the gut reaction question from the media is, of course. Yes. Well, and it's the... There's it an was equivalency the, issue. It was the reason that many people who stayed silent for several days stayed silent so that they could chime in as soon as Israel retaliated. Oh, yeah. That's exactly right. And then right. they could say, well, both sides. God forbid that they reacted in the first 24 to 48 hours because, you know, they've never done that before in other issues, Yeah, you no, know, with the reversal didn't. of Roe v. Wade or George never Floyd. Never knee-jerk reactions. No, Here is a, a clip of Jake Tapper on CNN saying something that I think we've all thought in the last several days, although I'm, I'm sure there are many people who weren't surprised. Like I said, I'm not surprised that the universities and university populations and many people of the intellectual left had aligned themselves with the Palestinian cause. That, of course, I was very clear on that yeah. and that they, in fact, also thought that many of the terroristic tactics were OK, sort of, mm -hmm. in, in service of that. But it got very stark this week. Here's Tapper. This does, these last few days have been a real uh, eye-opening period for a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives, in terms of anti-Semitism on the left. A lot of people who seem more shocked at dehumanizing language uh, used by world leaders to describe Hamas than what Hamas actually perpetrated on Saturday. Indeed. For the record, AOC, who is generally very concerned about humanitarian issues and one would think would be very concerned about the kidnap, killing, torturing of civilians, elderly and children and women. She did. We went on. We talked about this in the last show. And I appreciate that she condemned the rally by the DSA that was pro Hamas. But she only did it when she was asked by Politico. Yeah. And then she has a personal account that has many million, I think 12 million followers. She has a personal Twitter account where she took several days. And the first thing she tweeted was when she found YouTube of an angry protester, uh, pro-Israel protester, saying, you know, wipe out Gaza or something mm -hmm. along those lines. His intemperate remarks That's were the thing her. that she needed to comment yeah. on, not the murder of civilians wholesale, 1,200 now. 
Yeah. So she did that, and then she's followed up on it since a, right. a couple times, but not not with the condemnation of the actual terrorist acts. No. She left that to a very short comment from her official account from her office. That, that's right. So like you said, you just have to wait for the right opportunity to jump mm-hmm. in in order to legitimize the both sides argument. She was silent from around October 6th until Tuesday night. That's how long it took her for finally to send out that tweet. And I should note, she's been better than much of the squad. Rashida yeah, Tlaib. Jamal Bowman, too, by the way, who had condemned that rally in New York. Right. And now apparently the Democratic Socialists of America are, are kind of panicking as well and apologizing for, quote, the confusion. Oh, was, was there confusion? It was confusion. You know, Black Lives Matter didn't apologize for confusion for the fact that they, Black Lives Matter Chicago, published a tweet in a graphic with a paraglider saying yeah. they stand with Palestine. It was very clear what was happening there. We align with this cause and we yeah. don't care that these were the methods. When they got lambasted for it, they did another tweet that just said the same sentiment, but slightly mm-hmm. more gently than the. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you actually just believe this. Right. And I think it's important that we understand that people believe that. Rashida Tlaib was asked about oh. attacks on civilians and murder of civilians. And she just wouldn't answer. This is in the halls of Congress. That's right. Uh, It was actually a very specific question about the 40 babies who were slaughtered and the confirmation coming from multiple sources now that, you know, the terrible thing that happened to them. I know there's a family podcast. I won't get into those details, but you know what I'm talking about. And she could have said horrible of true, but it's not true. Or it hasn't been verified. I hope it's not true or I doubt it because that would be a terrible thing if it were to happen. Just decided to say nothing. Or just like that particular detail aside, we have plenty of evidence of awful, awful, awful things that happened in the name of something that, in the name of a people who I want to support. Like, you could say something. So I feel like, and I said this on the last episode, and it's like a a bat signal went up, right? Saying, everybody, this is the moment where you can now finally show your true colors. And, you know, that sort of, subtext of anti-Semitism can now actually come out and say, you could actually say it now out loud. And I mean, what's shocking is when these atrocities were being recorded, almost, you know, like live streamed, you know, I mean, you're hearing about this almost instantaneously. Sure, there are people who are denying it and say, oh, this didn't happen or this is, you know, you know, exaggerated or it's unverified. But there is a good chunk of people out there who, when this happened, They just embraced it and said, yeah, basically they had it coming, whether you be the elderly, whether you be a child or innocent men, women, uh, and all the awful things they did to them. They were like, yeah. And uh, you know what? Israel has done the same. Well, and this is the oppressor oppressed theories that are sort of have captured all of our major institutions, by the way. How how many major corporations gave money to BLM and and will never answer Mm -hmm. for them embracing this? It was so fashionable to say. Right. You know, free Palestine and support, you know, and eventually you're getting to the part where you support Hamas. And there is actually video has just resurfaced from, you know, like 10 years ago or or 12 years ago. Robert Malley, who until recently was Biden administration's Iran envoy, the special envoy to Iran. Removed from his post and from his security clearance for being aligned with the Iranians. That's right. He's under investigation for that. And this video that surfaced was of him at some panel discussion where he is defending Hamas and saying it's a cultural organization and, 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 and... They run soup kitchens. Yes, no, they do a lot of good things. 
None of this should be a surprise. Over the years, we've seen this increase as well in anti-Semitic crimes, right, happening in New York and elsewhere throughout the country. And often, often Europe. spiking right after an yeah. Israeli uh, counterattack. That's right. And I, it's, it, 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 that's right, Mary Catherine. These are counterattacks. All this, you know, all the talk about, you know, when, when the IDF goes in to a town or into Gaza and they just have to, you know, level a block or something, right? There's no comment on why they're doing this in the first place. They don't want to be there. Right. Remember, they wanted to give God. They, they, as we mentioned last show, they uprooted forcefully more than 20,000 Israelis living there. Yes. This was supposed they, to be there. They would have liked nothing more than to yeah. just have folks live their lives there. By the way, one of the things uh, in the, the, the sort of reckoning with the intel and this what is people this didn't is know, one of the things that I've seen reports of is that, and this is fairly unsurprising, Israel was letting many tens of thousands of Gazan residents come yeah. to work in Israel. So they mm-hmm. commuted back and mm-hmm. forth. So people who tell you this is an open air prison, they're commuting back and forth to make a living in Israel right. because they can't make a living in Gaza because the leaders in Gaza who were elected by the people of mm-hmm. Gaza and then the people of Gaza were never given another election because they are terrorists and they right. don't do elections. They won't build a life for them there. They won't use the aquifers no. for water. They won't That's create... Right. Economies. So yeah. Israel's sending people back and forth, and it turns out as some on the kibbutzes who were eyewitnesses to this noticed that they knew these faces, that they were faces that had commuted in, which makes perfect sense because you would have knowledge of the area. Yeah. And so that's that's what we're dealing with that's here. Right. I want to, much of this is, is maddening, but I want to give a huge, you love to hear it. Oh, yeah. For Corinne Jean-Pierre. An unreserved, you love to hear it. I am cheering for this statement. She's asked about, she's asked about the members of Congress that we just mentioned who have not been loud about either both sides are blaming opposition to Hamas. Here we go. What is the president's message to? Okay, the pool should should start leaving, and then we're gonna take this last question. Thank you, Green. Uh, What is the president's message to members of Congress who seem to be equating? the Hamas terror attack with actions that were previously taken by Israel. Say that one more time. Everybody's moving around. I apologize. Uh, What is the president's message to members of Congress who seem to be equating the Hamas terror attack with actions that were previously taken by Israel? Look, here's the thing. And which, which, which congressional members... Well, there have been some members of Congress who have called for a ceasefire, and they have not gone as far as uh, backing the administration's call for support for Israel. So look, uh, I've seen some of those statements this weekend, uh, and we're going to continue to be very clear. We believe they're wrong. Uh, we believe they're repugnant, and we believe they're disgraceful. Uh, our, our condemnation belongs squarely with terrorists who have brutally murdered, raped, kidnapped hundreds, hundreds of Israelis. Uh, There can be no equivocation about that. There are not two sides here. There are not two sides. Uh, President Biden has been clear on where he has stood. You heard him, you heard from him directly uh, today. You heard from him also on Saturday on this. There's been multiple statements from this president, uh, and he's taking uh, action to provide additional support to ensure that Israel has has what they need to defend themselves. All right. Yes. Good for her. In, good for her. Enjoy for, the moment. I'm going to say this. Up. Not to not I to, stand yeah. with KJP. <laughs> I'm going to say this. Enjoy the moment now. Not to put it, not to dampen it, but we will see how long the resolve lasts. But it is a an important moment at this time because 
she could have easily said, I'm not familiar with the statements. I haven't seen mm-hmm. it. Next question. Because she does that a lot. Yep. Where if she doesn't want to answer the question, she'll say, I'm, I, I'm not familiar with what this person said. Therefore, I don't want to comment on it. But it seems to be that they're all clearly on message here about what has happened. And it's this wake-up call. And it's this moral reckoning. Because you have to... You're either on the side of the baby killers, right? Or you are, or, or you're against them at this point. Because... We've always been saying this, and I worked at the Weekly Standard for, you know, you know, more than 20 years, which is that Hamas and a lot of these forces out there, PFLP, Hezbollah, you name it, their goal is not coexistence with Israel. They have always stated that the goal is to wipe Israel off the map, right. you know, from river to the sea, and people have to chant this. Netanyahu, Netanyahu said this, I believe it was him years ago, that they don't want peace of Israel or a peace with Israel. They want a peace with no Israel, right? No. They but but somehow they want a, they want a one state solution yeah. slash final solution. That's right. Yeah. And and now the cat's really out of the bag because they have come out and made their intentions known. And and so for all the people who sort of just nodded along and pretended not to, you know, give much thought to what their always stated intentions were, they have to come to grips with this now and say, well, how do you feel about it? These people who say they want to are actually trying to do it right now. And I was glad to see that Karine Jean-Pierre and obviously President Biden were not equivocating. And yes. you, I don't know if you wanted to talk about the Biden speech So I do well. want to, I want to play a little bit of the Biden speech. Yeah. We, just as an update at this point, and hopefully the number does not grow, it sounds like 25 Americans yeah. died in this attack. There are Americans who are hostages Multiple in Gaza. Hostages. The president said at one point, you know, he couldn't obviously tell us what they're doing to get Americans out of Gaza because, you know, that makes sense, security issues, but but that they're working very hard on it. John Kirby has said, eh, I've been a little, a little weak on how we're going to get just Americans out of Israel proper. He says they've discussed things with domestic airlines and international airlines, but it's unclear exactly what we're doing. Yeah, some, I, I, some citizens have been asked to sign a promise, is it promissory, promissory note, note for their flight back. This is one thing where, like, there's a record of failure on this in the the Biden administration. People are right to be concerned that they yeah. don't know how to get Americans out of these places because in the past they have not. And like, yeah. why is not a not great a, track? Why market. is there not a plan for this? However, credit where it's due. Okay. Biden's speech is quite good. He's a little bit like is it his antique Corvette that's sitting in the garage where it's like the engine takes a while to get going, yeah. and then once the engine's running, I'm unsure if it's going to continue to run. There's but something going on with the eyes. But the words, you know, but the words, the words are correct. Right, right. And so I want to give turn credit. the volume up. Actually, you have to turn the volume up on oh, that on his voice. I want to give credit to that and and play just a little clip of him. It matters that Americans see what's happening. I mean, I I I've been doing this a long time. I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. I never thought I'd ever, anyway. By the way, another thing we could do is just like freeze the six billion again. Apparently yeah. we do have the power to do that. And I think maybe until yes, we figure uh, out what's uh, happening with Iran. That is an option that is certainly going to upset some members of the left yeah. because it's sort of going back on his promise and the whole thing. But it is obviously worth considering if we have the the power to stop this from happening. He doesn't mention I, I, Iran in the speech. Right. And part of it, I can't help but think, is because of the implications. They pushed hard 
right? They 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 lifted a number of these sanctions that were able that that have resulted in something like eighty billion dollars in illicit oil revenue to come to Iran's uh, way, and obviously they were very desperate to go restart the JCPOA Iran deal that President Trump had suspended. And of course, we have this ring of, I don't want to know, I don't know if you want to call them spies, informants, and sympathizers within the State Department and I the think Department those are all of fair Defense, words, yeah. including Ariana Tabatabai and of course, maybe, Robert Malley. Maybe just like boot her. Can we, can we get her out yes. of there? Like I would hate so for cancel got... culture to go so far that we take out Iranian-aligned right. intelligence officials at the Pentagon, but maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe it's time. It's time so to cancel her. I can see why they don't want to make the Iran connection right now, but that's pretty bad. And the other thing is, of course... Everything that Trump did, they wanted to reverse, and that included restarting aid to the Palestinians. But that, again, was, as I mentioned in the last show, unconditional aid. Yeah. And there was concern, as Adam Creter reported, that a lot of that money would end up in the hands of terrorists. Right. The State Department itself under Biden was right. like, hey, this is going to probably encourage this. Do you guys want to consider that? And this is how they, I mean, that? they spent a lot of money on weapons. They certainly didn't spend it on infrastructure. You mentioned the aquifers. I mean, they could have had their own source of water. Yes. But they, they left have other, that. They have other priorities. In contrast to Biden, can I play a little bit of uh, former President Trump? Oh, okay. He's he's chiming in. Now, he was sort of distracted with his own issues during his first he's got mentions a lot on his mind. of Israel. Right. But was like supportive. Okay. Here's what we got in a speech at a rally for supporters in Florida last night. Room. We followed the whole thing, and about 15 seconds later, it was all over, and we did it. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget that Bibi Netanyahu let us down. That was a very terrible thing, I will say that. And uh, so when I see uh, sometimes uh, the intelligence, you talk about the intelligence, or you talk about some of the things that went wrong over the last week, uh, they've got to straighten it out because they're fighting potentially a very big force. They're fighting potentially Iran. And when they have people saying the wrong things, everything they say is being digested by these people because they're vicious and they're smart. And boy, are they vicious because nobody's ever seen the kind of sight that we've seen. Nobody's ever seen it. But they cannot play games. So we were disappointed by that, very disappointed. But we did the job ourselves, and it was absolute precision, magnificent, beautiful job. He's talking about, I believe, the, the killing of Soleimani. Oh, OK. But, but wait you. for it. And then uh, Bibi tried to take credit for it. That wasn't good. That didn't make me feel too good, but that's all right. So they got to strengthen themselves up. Okay, so that's the first clip. He's, I'm he's glad talking. he's sharing how he felt, because yeah. I was wondering, how do you feel about how this? Do how do you feel? feel? He's talking about the strike on Soleimani. Mm -hmm. He has beef with Netanyahu, because Netanyahu congratulated President Biden and Vice President Harris-elect after they were elected yeah. and declared winners. He didn't declare it illegitimate, right. And so he's mad at Netanyahu for this reason. And so... As a result, he is making the largest slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust about Chick's notes himself. Himself. It is you're, about himself. You're almost suggesting that he keeps grudges. I don't know if that's what you're saying. It's just so yeah. bad. Yeah. It's so bad. There, here's another one. You want to hear this one? Two nights ago, I read all of Biden's security people. Can you imagine national defense people, and they said, gee, I hope Hezbollah doesn't attack from the north. 
Good job. Unequivocal support for the state of Israel. So <laughs> full-throated okay. so the, understanding of foreign policy. You know, there's a way to ex- sort of talk about what he's trying to say, right? There's a way to explain, not that you would want to share this with a campaign crowd, okay? So the, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. first thing is the Hezbollah smart thing really sounds weird. Yeah. No, he's I like, mean, what he's he like, mean, I think what he means is diabolical, well, right? Well, he's like, the people get mad at me. When I say things like this, yeah, yeah, people do have concerns when you are routinely complimentary to murderers and totalitarians. They they do get concerned about that. Yeah, he was in love with Erdogan. And of course, he had that meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un. But then also, he's deriding Israeli intelligence yeah. Like on from the they stage, don't need to hear this in now. a way Shin that's does not need just not helpful. At there the is moment. going to be there's going to be a very serious intelligence reckoning in Israel because of this. And He's it also need to add to it. It's... wrong. Yeah. Hezbollah did not attack oh, right. yeah. from the war. So it's just, it's just like uh, there perfect... was reports of these aircraft coming in. So maybe he was just anticipating. But I don't it, know. this is a perfect yeah. distillation mm-hmm. of Trump as world leader. Yeah, he gets the facts wrong. He makes it about himself, and he makes it about himself so much that he is unable to offer the unequivocal support, the likes of which KJP and Biden have just right. offered. It's it's like a role reversal. And especially Netanyahu, you know, he's now part of this unity government. Right. And so they can actually be all focused on, and th- their goal is is unmistakable goal, which is to eradicate Hamas. There is not going to be one. That's, they don't, they're not going to care what the rest of the world's going to say and how many UN resolutions they pass. And again, it's great that everyone's with him now, but I imagine that that's not, that's not going to last long once you get to the ugly reality of war and trying to get back every single hostage because that is, I mean, for Israel, they don't see this as glorified martyrdom, Right. that every life matters to them to get back and they have to do everything within their power. And certainly, I hope the United States feels the, the same way. Netanyahu, he, he's right that Netanyahu is, you know, facing this this crisis and could be the next Golda Meir right after the Yom Kippur War happened and she was caught flat-footed and people are going to say, how did this happen? He's got to deal with that problem, but he doesn't need to hear Trump, you know, stoking those five and saying, man, he, you know, he, he, he really dropped the ball here. It's not the time. But again, does any of this surprise you? Wouldn't it be no. surprised if he gave a nuanced speech but, saying that we're with the people of Israel, just leave it at that? By the way, uh, totally as, as, I, as I've often said about Trump, I have no doubt that at some point he will give a section of a speech or a statement that is that because as he can keep a lid on his id for very brief periods of time. Brief. And then we get this. Yeah. Speaking of dropping the ball, I did want to note there is a representative, Corey Mills, who has been in Israel finding American citizens. Oh, my goodness. And getting them out because once again, as in Afghanistan, the ball's been dropped there. There are a lot of other countries, and this, these are just facts. A lot of other countries have gotten people out mm-hmm. before we have. And I was, I was talk, talking to actually former chief of staff to Trump, Mick Mulvaney, mm-hmm. about this yesterday. And he's like, there's supposed to be plans for this that you yeah. take off a shelf and you say, hey, we have a contract with this charter company or this airline that's supposed to help us in these situations in this country. Right. Pick up the plans. And make it happen, or are we just... This is the thing that worries me about all of our institutions, is like, where are the adults? Adults have contingency (laughs) plans, right? Instead, Mills is over in Israel gathering buses of tourists from church groups 
to try to get them home to America. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with the evacuation uh, disaster from uh, Afghanistan and uh, how many uh, Americans and also Afghans who had supported the U.S. military, whose lives and family their, and the family's lives are in danger, were left behind. And it was up to, you know, individual groups and private groups and units and, yeah. and, and to get these people, extract them right. out of this out of this terrible place. And, and you'll just see that happen again because is, they can't they cannot rely on the United States. Which government. is why people are well within their rights to mm-hmm. ask very pointed questions mm-hmm. about this of the administration. By the way, you know, I like my mother-in-law who is usually insanely it, it'll take several years but then she ends up being right about certain things. One of them was she said if you are overseas, she would say and a crisis develops, you are in trouble. Do not go to the US embassy, go to the British embassy, the Canadian embassy. That's what she said because they'll, they'll they'll do a better job. That's what I don't know. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about this. You're, I'm like, oh you're my pondering gosh. it. You're pondering. She's right it. again. Okay, right. I do want to talk about the the academia. Yes, problem. definitely. Matthew Continetti writing in the Free Beacon, and we are going to get to some other stories, but this is just a, this is so wide reaching, and the reaction to mm-hmm. it is so heinous in some areas that I just want to talk through this. Matt Continetti writing about the university responses says the toxic atmosphere of anti-Semitism, this is in the Free Beacon, has several sources. One is the corrupt university system. 51 U.S. student groups have written a letter that concludes, we support the resistance, we support the liberation movement, and we indisputably support the uprising. The president of NYU's Student Bar Association said that Israel's, quote, apartheid regime is the only one to blame for the chaos. 31 Palestinian solidarity groups at Harvard University echoed her despicable sentiment. Swarthmore Students for Justice in Palestine said it, quote, honors the martyrs of Hamas. Graffiti writers scrawled, long live the Intifada and Israel is dead on Stanford's sidewalks. Students at George Washington University, one of the most expensive private institutions of higher learning in the country, held a vigil for the martyrs of Palestine. This is a small sample of dangerous student idiocy. A full catalog would be endless. So some consequences are coming for these things. For instance, the person who crafted the New York University Law students. The NYU Bar Association student president. Student president. Um, The head of that organization who wrote the statement has lost a promised job with a high-end law firm. That's right. From Winston and Strawn, they revoked it. Perhaps we should ask why a freedom fighter for the dispossessed Palestinians was interested in a high-end, white-collar, 300K job at a law firm defending like pharmaceuticals and the fact is that like these people are quote-unquote freedom fighters and pushing for this wanton Mm -hmm. murder from the comfort of their rich universities and their to-be-rich jobs and it's despicable there are the universities that uh, that are that are uh, in question here that you mentioned that 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 are in matt's column and they're really hard to get into. Mm-hmm. So you imagine that the kids who do get into, say, Stanford or Harvard are pretty smart. And yet they seem to have questions about Israel's right to exist. That's the that's that's the concern. So part of it is, and I mentioned this on the last show when I saw those like two average college dudes just, you know, saying, hey, man, free Palestine. Right. As they were driving by, I heard it and I saw them as they drove by. Because it's fashionable, right? Hey, this is cool, without really thinking how they feel about the Jews. And I'd like to think that in their mind, they're just not that bright and not thinking right. and not in their minds, you know what? I actually really hate Jewish people. Yeah. I really hope that's not the case. And they're just not thinking. On the other hand, 
There are a lot of smart kids here who signed these statements. The woman at the from the NYU Bar Association, they do think this. This is not just fashionable for them. Right. It's their opinion, and I mean, in a you know, in a very sad and dark way, we, we should not be surprised because this sort of thinking has, I mean, it, it has radicalized universities for a long time, and the right. sort of thinking that is at the university level is now even before that now, as you know, in, in, in high schools where they're trying to get kids more activated, act, become activists for certain causes, and then eventually these kids, they graduate, they enter the workforce right. with those beliefs Intact. Well, and you in, end so we up shouldn't with be this, surprised. You end up with this paradigm where it's oppressed versus oppressor, and as long colonizers, as colonizers, right? Yeah. And as long as someone counts as the oppressor by race or by class or by That's location, right. no matter whether they're a combatant or not, in this philosophy that is cultivated on college campuses, those people are combatants. They are. Yeah. They are fair game. That's right. And as you see at these rally- rallies, by any means necessary, it's fine to decolonize them, right? So among the consequences, which I'd appreciate this, some institutional consequences, Mark Rowan, writing for the Free Press, who is on the the board for UPenn, mm-hmm. says just outright, we got to stop giving money until some of these people resign because right. the lunatics are running the asylum and this is not okay. It might be too He late. notes that University of Pennsylvania sponsored a Palestine Rights Literary Festival. It was hosted by various university departments and affiliates, advocated ethnic cleansing of Jews, referred to them as European settlers, and repeated various blood libels. UPenn President Elizabeth McGill and board chair Scott Bach permitted UPenn to sponsor this conference and failed to condemn its hate-filled calls for violence. So he's saying, like, let's hit them where it hurts. Right. I appreciate that. If you turn a blind eye to this stuff forever, there's a great Babylon Bee headline that really crystallizes it, which says Harvard student leaves lecture on microaggressions to attend kill the Jews rally. Yeah. Like, no, that's what is happening. That here. might not even be a parody. No. Do they care about microaggressions or not? Because oh. I feel like we've got some macroaggressions going well, on. Well, it's OK for here. some and not for others. Well, right. Because Jews are the oppressor. Right. Right. In this situation, right? right? In the hierarchy, you can do whatever yeah. you want. And you're either just for eliminating the Jews in Israel or all the Jews. It's that's that's there's your there's your spectrum. Now uh, I wanna I yeah. wanna ask us one question because I do I have some thoughts on this. Sure. A lot of people are saying, Oh, now cancel culture is okay. Oh. Because at least one person has said, like, look, all these people who signed on to this Harvard statement, I would like to know who they are because I would like like to not hire Hire them them, in the hedge fund world. Right. Okay, I have some nuanced thoughts on this. The problem with cancel culture is three things. It does not have perspective Mm -hmm. about the offense, quote unquote, that is being punished. It does not have a proportionate response to that offense. And it has no path to redemption. Those are the problems with cancel culture. It is my opinion that if you are to cancel someone, if they are to lose job prospects and have economic consequences, that the offense and the words for which they are losing that should be about as extreme as possible. I want wide latitude, particularly for college students, to say dumb things. I would say that this New York law or bar association or New York, what is it, Mm -hmm. New York law? NYU uh, Bar Association, Student NYU Bar Association. NYU Student Bar Association statement 
the person who wrote it has engaged in some of the most despicable speech yeah. we can think of. Pro-genocidal and terrorist actives, act, activities, right? So I think that qualifies as yep. disqualifying speech. Then you talk about, okay, we need a proportionate response. For that person to lose a jobs prospect, look, again, free companies, as we've always been told, have a right to make these decisions. Yep. No law firm wants to be associated with the person who wrote that. I do think, however, the calls for every single student in every single one of those organizations, that's where you get a proportion problem. Yes, because I think apparently a lot- there were some students who had already graduated, and but they had, you know, it was on their, you know, CV that they belonged to the organization way before any of this happened and before the organization actually decided to join the other groups, like at Harvard, for example. Well, and you so, know how student organizations work. I doubt a lot of these people screened this or had any sure, opportunity to know sure, it was coming out. Yeah. Those who have distanced themselves from it, and this is the path to re- redemption, I want them to get the opportunity to see this is what my fellow yeah. travelers believe yeah. and I don't want to be part of it. Now, right. do we know if all of those distancings mm-hmm. are sincere? I don't know. But it's giving people a chance to step away from this brink, and I don't want to discourage that. Some of them, you know, will say, you know what, this is horrible, or this is, you know, maybe it's a revelation to some that when they kept on saying, you know, that they were supporting Hamas, that this also meant death to Jews. And now it's occurred to them, oh, maybe this is not a good thing. Like, oh, from the the river to the sea, if I actually look at the map, Map, that does have some implications. Yeah. But I think others are just going to keep that part quiet again. And- all, they will always remain anti-Semitic. What annoyed me is there was this delay in statements now coming out from uh, various universities uh, that are now openly and um, more vocally condemning Hamas's attacks and not being both sides and, and this whole moral equivalency thing. But they waited until the pressure became too much and they were forced to because these administrators are cowards. And then they're still pretty mealy-mouthed about oh, it. Oh, yeah, totally. Let's give a hand to Ben Sass. Yes. Of the University of Florida... I'm going to unreservedly praise the University of Florida and KJP today. Can yeah. you believe it? This Vic? is a, a big day. Here's This is from his statement. The opposite of mealy-mouthed. I will not tiptoe around this simple fact. What Hamas did is evil and there is no defense for terrorism. This shouldn't be hard. Sadly, too many people in elite academia have been so weakened by their moral confusion that when they see videos of raped women, hear of a beheaded baby or learn of a grandmother murdered in her home, the first reaction of some is to provide context and try to blame the raped women, babies, or the murdered grandmother. In other grotesque cases, they express simple support for the terrorists. This thinking isn't just wrong, it's sickening. It's dehumanizing. It is beneath people called to educate our next generation of Americans. He goes on to say, and I appreciate this too, we will protect our students and we will protect speech. This is always true. Our constitution protects the rights of people to make abject idiots of themselves. But I also want to be clear about this. We will protect our Jewish students from violence. If anti-Israel protests come, we will absolutely be ready to act if anyone dares to escalate beyond peaceful protests. Speech is protected. Violence and vandalism are not. Wow. It seems so easy when he does it. You know, I remember when he announced that he was retiring from the Senate and there are many conservatives, not many, but, you know, Trump supporters, I should say, who were, you know, very happy to see him go, including the president himself, right? because he was always a nuisance to, to Trump. And I thought to myself, that's a shame because, I, you know, he, 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 he's a pretty well-spoken statesman. I'm, I might not agree with everything he says, but, you know, 
reasonable, nuanced, smart, conservative. And going to university, we'll see how he does. But now I begin to think maybe there was a reason yeah. that he left to become a university president and, and, and being here at this time and setting this example versus the other cowardly administrators, it's a good thing. Well, and and also- in, in the, yeah. a, a little bit in the, in the model of one of my favorite politicians of all time, Mitch Daniels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The president of, as in, the produ- I, president of Purdue. Well, Purdue, sorry. Um, Ooh, sorry yeah, about that. Don't, don't insult. <laughs> as the president of Purdue, he froze costs. He protected free speech. He spoke yeah. up for students. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is important well, to model this and to cultivate something else. Particularly on if you're coming from certain states like Nebraska still has two Republican senators. So it's fine. You know, it's not like there was a loss there. I also want to thank Congressman Sri Thanadar. Okay. He's an Indian American member of the squad. He has resigned from DSA. He's he is no oh, longer right. yes. no longer a part of it. He says after the brutal terrorist attacks on Israel, which included the indiscriminate murder, rape, and kidnapping of innocent men, women, and children, I can no longer associate with an organization unwilling to call out terrorism in all its forms. Sunday's hate-filled and anti-Semitic rally in New York City, promoted by the New York City DSA, makes it impossible for me to continue my affiliation. I stand with Israel and its right to defend itself. There is no place for moral equivocation in the face of unadulterated evil, as we have seen from Hamas. So, again, you can come back from yeah. the brink, right? And we yeah. want people yeah. to do that. So those are my thoughts on the accountability culture versus cancel culture. If there was ever to be accountability for something, that speech right. certainly qualifies. Right. And we, we have, I mean, this is just the beginning I mean, this thing's going to go on for a very long time. Yes. And having to hopefully successfully extricate hostages, it's going to be costly. And we'll see what happens. And I, again, it's just a question of resolve for the rest of the world and how long are they willing to put up with. Because I don't know if they think that the plan is just to, you know, somehow magically take the hostages back and then keep Hamas in place. No, because they can't do that. They're, I think they're done dealing with Hamas since they've, they've been dealing with them since about 2007. Well, and this is the point of calling and Hamas ISIS. Yeah. Guess guess they're who not, the whole world agreed needed to be eradicated. Right. Eradicated. Not just eradicated. dealt with and contained, right. but right. eradicated. Right. So if Hamas is ISIS, yeah. that's the goal. Yeah. Do you, you know what to... else is going to last forever? Yeah, the speaker, the speaker race. Yeah. No. Okay, go ahead. What's happening? You must have an update for me that I don't know. This you know, it's already done. It's a done thing. deal. Habemus Arator, I was going to say. We have a we have a speaker. The white smoke went up. Here's the thing. It's tricky because if we record this now and say there this is going to last forever, by the time we're done recording oh, it, they're going to be like, actually, maybe we well, should maybe will we that. should say this is going to go we on forever. Will it to an into existence that by the time this airs, yes. there will be a speaker and we will be totally wrong. Wouldn't that yes. be neat? Yes, I was totally wrong about the 99 members of Congress who voted for Jim Jordan mm-hmm. and the at least half dozen who say they are not going to vote for Steve Scalise. Maybe I, I can't believe I was wrong I about that. I can't believe you were proven wrong I so quickly. I can't believe that Lauren Boebert said, I'm voting for Steve Scalise. Okay, so <laughs> to be clear, we don't know what's going to happen. You're listening. You um, know more than we do. But... As I keep saying, I'm, I'm running out of smart sounding ways to say I don't know what these crazy people are going to do. But after our last recording... <laughs> During which I said, you know what would be neat is if a serious moment really made people rise to the occasion. Yeah. And this caucus came in and got itself in line and agreed on a speaker. And do you know what happened? Do you know what happened, Vic? The first thing I saw in the speaker race after we stopped recording was Nancy Mace comes strolling up and she's dressed as Hester Prince to Graham. 
getting all. Did you over. make that up? I did. I coined cool. that one. Getting all over the social media mm-hmm. and the regular media, improbably, in a Trumpian-like way, making herself the alleged sort of victim yeah. of the week. And it's like, hey, maybe, maybe hold off on that pronouncement. It was really tough. I guess the idea is that she's like a. A, a persecuted woman in this yeah. caucus for her vote to oust McCarthy yeah. among those eight. Look, I don't see it. And it seems like a silly, a silly way of expressing oneself. I'm just glad that I got the reference because, of course, I watched the movie, The Scarlet Letter, starring Demi Moore. Of course you did. Yes, it was great. Certain parts. I did well on the quadrants. I, you know, it's a, it's a different time in my life, the quadrants. I can't. And Gary Oldman. I just want to say it yeah. was an interesting movie. A different ending, by the way. So that's how the whole affair started, oh, yeah. shall we say. No pun intended. Sorry. The affair. Um, my, um, my, my prediction, by the way, so you're going to hear this and you're going to say, I can't believe he was right about this, uh-huh. right? We do have a Speaker Scalise. He had to make some concessions to Matt Gates, including that he would step down if he said something that Matt, Matt Gates didn't like or if he forgot to say please or thank you. <laughs> Other than that, it's fine. So, so. so as it stands, Scalise was nominated within the party right yeah but it must go to the it was full not a landslide house. though right and there was much support for jim jordan jordan himself has said that on the floor with the full house that he would nominate scalise mm-hmm. but it is unclear as always that anyone has control over the people who support them it's unlikely that he has any control over them i have thought that Jordan himself has comported himself quite well during all of this, during both speaker races. Again, you have a choice. That's fine. He was very, he's gracious about it. So Liam Donovan, who I always turn to in these Mm -hmm. times for his dark and informed takes on this, says, here's the fundamental problem. No matter if Scalise cobbles together the numbers or even if Jordan somehow gets his shot, this is not a stable coalition interested in unity, let alone success. That was clear before, but today is a reminder that there will be no catharsis. Great. Isn't that fun? Great. Another person writes, this is true and comes back to the fundamental problem. You can figure out the buy-ups and side deals to get one vote one time, but the speakership requires an ongoing procedural coalition and the settlement to create that doesn't seem possible right now for the House GOP. Would love to be proved wrong by the time this comes out. You want a a light piece of news? Sure. Uh, Is there one? There is. Well, it's one to ponder. I don't know if it's light, but it's one to ponder. In the Wall Street Journal, there was a story about the secret to longevity. You know, we get so fixated on what can I do to live forever or live long, right? There are people who feel like they want to live to 150 right. or live forever because they, they cannot come to grips with mortality or have faith issues that make them fearful of death. Okay. Right. I know people like this. So the Wall Street Journal, I'm just going to read for, to you what it says, which is, About 25% of your ability to live to 90 is determined by genetics, says Dr. Thomas Pearls, professor of medicine at Boston University, who leads the New England Centenarian Study, which has followed centenarians and their family members since 1995. By age 100, it's roughly 50% genetic, he estimates, and by around 106, 75% genetic. So why am I eating my super seed loaf? No, I don't think you need to. Sandwich with mustard. You don't think so? No. Yeah, here, I'll just die next year. I, no, here, you know, that's because it, it, here's I, the thing. There's, there's always more maintain this. Look, I think we're on a good track. Okay. <laughs> this is another a neurologist yes. uh, and a team of researchers have found links between longevity and even short amounts of exercise, 
social activities such well, as going to, like that? such as going to church check and oh this is where we sort of fall out modest caffeine and alcohol intake oh, let's move past that now. though define um, modest then we have super agers or people over the age of 80 whose cognitive abilities are on par with those 20 to 30 years younger reported having more warm trusting high quality relationships with other people and having a positive outlook on life and i think huh. we are both good at making friends and seeing the bright side well look at that Look at that. I agree 100%. And I also wanted to mention a couple of examples here. Uh, for example, Trump eating fast food all the time. Oh, dude, that guy's living forever. I, you know, his father made it to 93. I just read about this. James Dewar, who was the inventor of the Twinkie, he ate one, he said, every day. He lived to 88. And here's my other favorite is Don Gorski, who is the famous Big Mac eater. He started eating right. several Big Macs a day since 1972. He has surpassed 32,000 Big Macs thus far. His Jennifer is stunned. His cholesterol was officially verified in 2011. It was 156. Oh, okay, my cholesterol man. has never been 156. <laughs> well, you're on it's the wrong unfair. diet, Vic. It's unfair. Okay, Mary Catherine, I do want to end. We received this letter for you and me from a listener in Israel. So I'm just going to read it to you now, All okay? Right. Dear Mr. Mattis, uh, I'm not going to use his name, by the way. I wanted to thank you both, uh, you and Mary Catherine Ham, for your latest episode on the war in Israel. I currently live in Jerusalem and am seeing and feeling this crisis firsthand. Many of my friends have already been called up to active duty, and I am currently waiting for my own call. Not a single person I know has not been affected by this attack. Some of my friends were at the concert, and not all of them made it back. Oh. I'm seeing this country come together like it has, unfortunately, so many times before. However, this attack was so severe and so cruel that we are still dealing with the shock and the pain of it. Right now, it is so important to hear from our friends from around the world that they feel our pain and that we have their support. So from the bottom of my heart, I thank you both for recording this, that episode. He's a, a longtime listener of our show and, and, and the Substandard Subbeacon podcasts uh, and since he was at Georgetown. Even when I moved to Israel after my graduation and drafted to the IDF, I still listen to your podcasts. They helped me relax during some of the most intense times of my life. Thank you and Hoya Saxa. Oh, my goodness. We are honored to have you as a listener. Stay safe. You're in our prayers. I assume at this point that many, many, many people I know either know someone who is gone or who is in danger. So may their May their blessing, may their memories be a blessing to you and everyone else is lifted up who is who is still with us and fighting that good fight. And it is the the predisposition of the UN, of the global intellect, intellectuals, of the elite to immediately turn on Israel is so strong that those who are not interested in turning on Israel and making Israel stay its hand need to keep talking about it. So we will yeah. keep talking about it here. And we appreciate you very much as a listener. By the way, speaking of how unprecedented this is, yeah. I saw a news story today that El Al, which is the Israeli airline, for the first time in its history, will fly on the Sabbath to get reservists into the country. Uh, so that's happening this week. Amazing. So okay. our thoughts are always with you guys. I want to note also before we finish, this week it is both our 200th episode and our two-year anniversary. So have enjoyed being with all you hammerheads all this time. And it occurs to me that, of course, yes, my kid is about to turn two because we started this podcast when I was super pregnant. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'll come back right after I had the baby. And, and then I did. did. <laughs>
I thought for sure we'd have three weeks off. Now, nah, you know? well, I don't know what the maternity leave policy was for getting hammered. It apparently was two days. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, I was going to say Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. Yes, we are at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram and YouTube. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a me- nebulous media podcast. Mm-hmm.